Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. We're in Winnipeg, Canada with my new friend Mike Green of Tourism Winnipeg. He grew up nearby and moved back to Winnipeg in 2010 to start his family. He loves to skate on the river trails in the winter and explore the local parks with his family in the summer. In this episode, Mike and I talk about exploring Assiniboine Park, attending the Festival de Voyageur, and sampling all the foods at the Forks Market. You hear about these three amazing experiences, plus a bunch more. If you know someone that wants to visit Canada, I'd love it if you shared this episode with them. The show notes and our one-page guide to Mike's tips are available at wetravelthere.com forward slash Winnipeg. Now let's get started. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view. Whether I'm traveling for business or pleasure, it's important to have clothes that make me look good and feel great. I wear Bluffworks jeans, slacks, dress shirts, and blazers because they're wrinkle-free and are designed for the modern traveler. And if they get dirty, I quick spin in the washing machine and they're good as new. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash Bluffworks for a special offer and select from the latest styles so you can stay wrinkle-free when you travel. Hey Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Lee. Today we're talking about Winnipeg, Canada. And before this episode, I really didn't know a lot about it other than as a big sports fan, I knew that there was a hockey team there. It's really exciting to have you on the show. And like, what's your connection to the city? Uh, well, I moved here in 2010 from Vancouver, uh, right after working the Olympics there. I have a master's in journalism from UBC. I originally was working here for CBC Radio. And then I started working in tourism about eight years ago, I guess it would be, at uh, Tourism Winnipeg. So I essentially do what I used to do as a reporter. I have kind of an arts uh, and food position. So I kind of cover all of the art scene here and a lot of the food scene, which I write for uh, pegcitygrub.com. And our main website is tourismwinnipeg.com. Uh, I judge a lot of culinary competitions here. I'm actually the senior judge for the Canadian Culinary Championships for Winnipeg. So we just had our Winnipeg Lake here, and I will go to Ottawa to do the finale in February. And yeah, so I'm just really involved in, I guess, the arts and food scene here in Winnipeg. And I, uh, I, I had no plans originally on moving to Winnipeg. <laughs> well, I, I say that you have one of like the the dream jobs for a lot of people. You get to go to all these like really cool uh, events for in the arts world, and then obviously you're sampling all these great foods throughout the city. Other than needing stretchy pants, I, I'm sure it's pretty much the dream, right? It is fun, you know. And people always ask me that, like, did you have a duff day at work today? Did you have to go uh, try a wine pairing? And you know, did you have to go take in this <laughs> show? But, uh, you know, and it's your responsibility, though, so, right, to be covering the scene and to be promoting it. And you want to curate a really good visitor experience. So I, I do try and think I have a bit of pressure on myself to uh, present Winnipeg and, uh, you know, detail the little bits that uh, tourists should be uh, seeing here. Absolutely. I'm sure your Instagram profile is like huge with all these great food photos and videos and, and everything else as well. Yeah, we have uh, so we have two for work. We've got Peg City Grub Official, which is our food one, and then Tourism Winnipeg at like Tourism WPG is our uh, one for all your glamour shots of the city. Uh, and we have like lots of panels going on about everything that's coming up every week. And uh, yeah, so those are the two visual uh, assets that you'll uh, want to follow uh, for your Winnipeg story here. Nice. Anytime I, I feel like getting jealous, I'm just going to pop onto your profile and check out all the photos. <laughs> so, okay. So if you've been uh, in Winnipeg for, for all these years, if you had to describe the city or the people in just a couple of words, how would you do that? 
For me, it's a combination of quirky and whimsical, uh, along with like, it is still a, a hardworking town. Uh, it's a place that really embraces winter, which I've been really loving. Like I actually grew up in Kenora, Ontario, which is only two hours away from here, but I hadn't lived in this region for about 20 years for when we moved here. And I was really surprised because when my wife and I first moved here, she's originally from Winnipeg. Uh, moving from Vancouver, particularly from the West Coast, we were both a little hesitant as to how cold winter was going to be again. But the amount of stuff that we put on, and by we, I mean uh, like Winnipeg in general, that puts on during the winter is, is astronomical. Like there's something to do every day. Uh, and as long as you're dressing warmly, there's there's no reason why you can't go outside and not only embrace winter, but like literally have the best time doing it. Sure, sure. So speaking of winter, uh, what's the weather like throughout the year? And, you know, are there certain times of the year that are better to visit than, than others? And like you said, obviously winter, even though it's can be pretty chilly, sounds like that's a, like a great time to visit. Yeah, uh, just for like, if we're looking across all 12 months, anytime in the summer, like May through to October is always quite beautiful. Right now, like the leaves just finished changing in late October. So our fall, you do get like a really beautiful fall colors. Summer is quite hot, like average temperature about 25 degrees Celsius, 20 degrees Celsius and upwards of like into the 30s. So we do get warm, hot summers. There's plenty of surrounding beaches. There's literally hundreds of lakes that surround Winnipeg, all within an hour's drive. And then in winter, it can get very cold. Uh, you'll often see headlines about Winnipeg colder than Mars and stuff like that, because it's an easy <laughs> headline to write, right? Apparently, the temperature on Mars can be like anywhere from minus 42 onward. And we will occasionally hit a minus 40, right? So it's an easy headline to do. But uh, the winters, I'd say average temperature is probably around minus 15. That's not the official what I'm looking at. And then you do get a bit of what's called the wind chill. So the windier it is, the colder it could be. Sure. And, and just for the just for the American listeners, it's, if it's negative 15, that's Celsius. So that's probably what, around 20 or so, like Fahrenheit? Yeah, I'm trying to figure out. So Fahrenheit, yeah, I can't do the translation right off the <laughs> top of my head, but uh, cold, like yeah. cold enough to give you some frostbite, like there's people here who do still winter cycle and whatnot and you use fat tire bikes, but you will definitely see them in gloves and they will be wearing ski goggles over their face and uh, have the full two neck warmer bit because you don't want to be outside with exposed skin for too, too long if it's that cold, but it's rarely that cold. And then you, th you talk about all the different like uh, events that are happening. Are there certain like festivals or annual events that somebody maybe wants to plan their trip around? Yeah, so February, if you're looking in the winter, I always say January, February is a great time. January, by then, the Nestewa uh, River Trail. So this is a giant trail that snakes out from the Forks, which is our main kind of tourism hub. So it goes down miles uh, on the Red River and miles along the Assiniboine River. It's been the world's longest naturally frozen skating trail before as verified by Guinness. And it probably is on most years, just, you know, Guinness doesn't come back every year after year to verify it. So from there, you can rent skates at the forks, you can rent kick sleds, you can rent ice bikes, all these things. And it's a great way to explore the city because you're seeing all of the city from the banks of the river. So you get cool architectural features, all the natural features. So that's a really great option. And that generally opens up in January. 
And then on top of that, we are home to Western Canada's largest winter festival, which is called Festival de Voyager. And that celebrates the Winnipeg's Métis, Indigenous, Francophone, and fur trading history. So originally Winnipeg was a fur trading post. And Festival kind of marks the occasion with costume interpreters. So there'll be people dressed up like they'd work for the Northwest Company or for Hudson Bay Company as fur traders. And the market, though, with giant snow sculptures. So they invite artists from all over the world. A couple of days before the festival starts in February, you can see them all throughout uh, the park where the festival takes place and all throughout downtown building like massive, massive sculpt- snow sculptures, like 10, 20 feet tall really wide, uh, covering all manner of things like animals, history, everything. And then within Festival itself, they do these huge tents. The floors are covered with wood chips. So it gives you like this really nice aroma when you walk in. It like just smells like the festival, I guess you would say. And live bands uh, every weekend, all throughout the day into the evening. And then uh, during the week, they host a lot of school groups to do kind of historical things with them. But it is uh, such a fun time. Like my wife and I and our kids, we spend like all weekend there once Festival de Voyager is on. That sounds amazing. I, I love those type of um, you know events and, and festivals that incorporate a lot of the history, but also make it accessible for, you know, like we talked before we recorded that we have kids and getting them involved and and. I call it like edutainment, right? Where they're getting educated on on some aspects of the history of, of the area, but also having a lot of fun doing it. I think that's really like the, one of the best ways of, of having a, an event. Yeah, especially like demonstrations, like you can do snowshoeing there. And if you've never put on old snowshoes, they're really quite wide and fairly cumbersome to use. So if you can think of people traversing the land back in the day on it uh, instead of, you know, just puttering out, having fun. So that's very cool. And uh, they do a lot of really nice uh, food things at Festival too, highlighting like maple taffy. Uh, I'm not sure if people have seen this, but it's a bit more popular in Quebec, obviously. But when you tap maple trees, they do this every spring. Uh, It has to be below zero at night and above zero during the day for the sap to run. So there's a community outside of Winnipeg that does this called St. Pierre Jolie, and they supply quite a bit of the maple syrup and bring in a lot from uh, Quebec as well. So you heat it and you reduce it. And then in front of your very eyes and in front of your children's eyes at Festival, they'll lay out like almost a whole table full of snow. And then they pour the hot maple syrup on top of the snow and you get a little stick like a popsicle stick and you roll it up and essentially like make your own maple taffy popsicle. And oh, that's uh, awesome. so you just see kids walking around, you know, sucking <laughs> these things back, all hop, hyped up on sugar. But uh, it has a nice kind of like smoky flavor to it, too, because they actually heat it over a fire. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a real nice delicacy. That's awesome. Well, let's take a step back for a second. So obviously, we, we have so many fun things to do there in, in Winnipeg. But for the audience that's not exactly familiar with where Winnipeg is in Canada, can you tell us a little bit about that first? For sure. We're actually right in the middle. There's a sign actually outside of Winnipeg, just 20 minutes out. So we're the center of Canada uh, as far as like running on an east-west axis, not quite on the north-south axis. That that would be a bit further north than us. So most of Canada is all connected on Highway 1, it's called. So it's the main highway that runs from the east coast to the west coast in Canada. And you'll notice if you're looking at a map, most Canadian cities are all generally about an hour drive from the U.S. border. So we are essentially right in the middle. Uh, The closest U.S. cities would be Minneapolis, St. Paul, 
for major cities, I should say, uh, Fargo, North Dakota is quite close. And then we generally have direct flights to Chicago that are quite short, direct flights to Minneapolis, and we're a hub for Winnipeg Snowbirds here. So we always have direct flights. Uh, we now have a direct flight into LA, direct flights into Palm Springs, all over Florida, and uh, various other like hot locations. So as we like to say, it's always a short travel time being right in the middle. <laughs> for sure, for sure. And accessible to you know everybody from no matter where they are in the States. And the, so that's good. And so if we fly into the airport there and we want to get from the airport to the city, do we, is there public transportation? Do we rent a car or we just take a ride share? What's the best way to get from the airport? And then also once we get into the city, how do we get around? A bit all of the above. So we have uh, rideshare programs, taxis, obviously at the airport. Uh, there is a bus that runs directly downtown. The Winnipeg airport itself is only about 10 minutes downtown outside of rush hour traffic. It's really kind of a short drive. You'll actually see in a lot of the neighborhoods, the planes coming down overhead. So like the airport is very centrally located in that. It's not like other like major U.S. centers where you're spending an hour getting to and from the airport. So it, it's very close to downtown. Once you're within Winnipeg, same thing. We do have uh, public transit and rapid transit for certain routes, taxi service and tap car. Uh, a lot of people now use Uber for everything. Our Uber network is, uh, you know, it's like every other city. It, it gets you there quite fast. And throughout the summer and spring and fall, uh, including today, I rode my bike into work. Uh, we have nice bike lane infrastructure that continues to grow, especially in the summer. You're, the bike rides are really gorgeous. We have a huge elm canopy uh, that kind of covers about a good third of the city. So you'll be going through these neighborhoods and it's like literally going under an archway of trees. In the summer, you can't even see the sky during some of it. And uh, in the winter, it still looks cool because you've got like these skeletal looking trees and stuff. Yeah, so fairly easy to get uh, around, particularly in downtown Winnipeg. Perfect. And as far as like where to stay, are there any parts of the, the city that maybe you don't want to really book a hotel in? And then also, do you have any favorites or recommendations for, for ni nice hotels where we're going to get a little flavor of, of Winnipeg? Yeah. So downtown, we, uh, we, the, we have two main kind of hotel areas. So downtown and then there's the St. James Airport area. So we have lots of uh, properties that service the airports uh, that are right there. Some of them you like are directly connected to the airport or just like a two minute drive. And a lot of them have shuttles, free shuttle services downtown throughout one particularly uh, locally owned company. We always like to point out some locally owned stuff. So Sparrow Hotels, they're based out of Winnipeg. They own the Inn at the Forks, uh, which is right at the Forks. Great spot for tourists because you're walkable to everywhere. It puts right in the middle of the action, no matter what season it is. A bit further down the street from that in the Exchange District, uh, right in our theater district, they have another property called The Mirror, which is a boutique hotel. Uh, it's a really cool design. If you Google it, it's got all these neon like kind of tubes that run on the outside of the building, giving it this cool design aesthetic. And actually, if you look at it on Google Maps, too, from an aerial view, it's got piano keys on top of the building. That's a great one. And a lot of the views overlook the river on the other side. And then they also own the Norwood Hotel in St. Boniface uh, and the whole bottom floor. They just redid that a couple of years ago. They have a beautiful restaurant and cafe all on the bottom floor. There's the Fairmont, which is right next door to our building here. A lot of the NHL hockey players stay there uh, during the winter. So, And a lot of people coming in for concerts. Folk Fest uses it for all of their artists. And then in the winter, I particularly like to point out the Fort Gary Hotel. It is originally a CPE hotel. So 
way back in the rail days, Canadian Pacific had built all these beautiful kind of castle style hotels throughout Canada that were all part of the uh, all part of the rail system. The most famous one would be like the Banff Springs Hotel. But here in Winnipeg, so we call it Winnipeg's Castle, it's directly across from the Via Rail Station, also just like a two-minute walk from the Forks and just a five-minute walk from the arena downtown and anywhere else downtown. But it's got like this whole old-world grandeur to it. Um, they recently revamped a lot of the the first two floors, too, with the mezzanine. And it's, just, you know, it's got that kind of regal atmosphere to it, a lot of... Uh, celebrities will be staying there when they're filming so you know it's a good spot if you want to go do some celebrity watching just in case although you know we maybe don't encourage that per se and uh it's <laughs> yeah. got two Admire from a distance yeah, yeah from a distance right but yeah and the uh, it's just one of those ones you walk in and it's all marble and you know it's got the high high ceilings and pillars and whatnot and it is particularly in winter they do this great thing if you go to sit up at the bar uh the bartender will ask you to take your toque off before you get your drink and i feel like this is kind of like a nice touch. It's just like a great hotel, particularly. It's really nice in the summer, too. They have a huge wraparound patio, but there's something to be said about it in the winter. It really, like, takes you there. Absolutely. It sounds gorgeous. Now, uh, you mentioned something about uh, the Forks. And so when we're looking at things to do, it seems like the Forks is like a, a pretty popular spot where there's a lot of different attractions and food options. Yeah, it's absolutely massive. Uh, so for summer, like there's a whole bike and walk path that's on the river that surrounds it. Parks Canada has lands down there and they do tours with historical interpreters. The Forks itself has an audio tour um, that kind of details a bit of the 6,000 uh, year indigenous history to the area because it had always been the main trading area. It's right where the Red and Assiniboine rivers meet. So from above, um, if you look at drone footage, if you're flying over the city in the summer, you can actually see the two different colors of the river. The Assiniboine tends to pull up a bit more mud and the Red River less so. So you can actually see where the brackish waters meet. So that's a very cool spot. But the Forks itself, yeah, it's a huge tourism mecca. It's market. So the Forks market is home to a large bar area called the Common, and there's an indoor and an outdoor one. They hire sommeliers to consult on the wine and beer list, so you can always find 20 craft beers, including generally about 10 local ones, and then 20 unique wines all on uh, tap. And uh, it has a huge outdoor patio that sits 250, I do believe. So it's a great spot. You can go and watch the boats taking off and landing at the forks. There's riverboat tours that you can hop on there. The captains are really hilarious. They always like regale you with tales of the city's past as they're going up and down. Uh, there's lots of indigenous-led uh, art areas there, uh, including the whole south point of the forks. So you can find huge art pieces throughout there's the Odina Celebration Circle where Manitoba Abbey, which is one of the largest indigenous festivals on Turtle Island, takes place. They do the lighting of the sacred fire there before they move the festival. So, yeah, lots of spots at the Forks. It's just a great spot to, like, walk around. And it's not just, like, a touristy area. Like, this is a place that locals use all the time, particularly in the winter. We don't apres ski here. We apres skate. So you'll see everybody <laughs> with their hockey sticks and their skates on their sticks, having a beer, you know, sitting down. Uh, there's nice restaurants inside. There's food kiosks that kind of cover uh, food from all over the world. So if you have a hankering for anything, you can literally find it in the Forks Market. Uh, anything from uh, not wood fire, but gas oven pizza 
to uh, gourmet hot dogs that are made on site from a company called Wiener Peg, if you could believe it. Amazing name. <laughs> An Argentinian steak place, a Sri Lankan place, uh, everything. There's sushi, Mexican, anything you name, they have it in the Forks Market. That's really cool. It's good to have like one spot where you can go and have a variety of experiences. Now, one of the things that I saw that is in that kind of that Forks area is those, they have a Canadian Museum for Human Rights, which seems like a really cool place to learn about the history and uh, the people of the area and what's happened over the over the history of the area. Oh, yeah. It's an, it's an incredible building. And it's the one of the first things you see once you're within Winnipeg because you the shape of the building itself, like Antoine Predock, when he designed it, he, he brought in like numerous design motifs. And the famous one of the famous ones about that is the glass cloud that encircles the museum. So on one side, you've got like kind of large stone, almost castle-like. And then on the other side, uh, he had meant for it to like look like the wings of a dove encircling the building. So when you're inside the building, all the light pours through that whole glass cloud faces west and south. So it, it welcomes tons of sunlight. And then the museum itself, the galleries are truly incredible because it works as like a total metaphor for human rights. You walk into the building's roots, it's called, and they actually have like these large concrete kind of roots that are pushing into the ground and it's surrounded by tall grass prairie. So it's quite dark on the, the bottom floor of the building. And as you work your way through the galleries and the galleries are all interactive galleries full of artifacts and heartbreaking stories, obviously, the building progressively goes from darkness to light. So once you're on the very top of the building, which is called the Tower of Hope, you can take an elevator up there. You can walk up the stairs yourself. You're afforded views of the whole city from up there because we're on the prairie, so it's quite flat. You can see the rivers below, uh, the downtown on the other side. So it, it really like the whole building is like one giant metaphor for human rights. And it's truly incredible. That is so awesome. Another museum that also incorporates some of the, the local flavors and, and, and history and art is the Winnipeg art gallery that I guess there's a lot of Inuit art there. Oh, incredible. Yeah. So they just changed the name. So it's now Winnipeg art gallery, Halmiork. So Halmiork is the Inuit name for the new Inuit art center, which is attached to the building. Um, it just opened a couple of years ago. It garnered rave reviews from like publications all over the world, like New York Times, any design publication. When they did the new edition, like Winnipeg Art Gallery had always been the home to the largest contemporary collection of Inuit art, but they just didn't have the space to really showcase it. So the Winnipeg Art Gallery itself is quite angular. It's almost like a, in the shape of like a big A um, lying down on itself. And then Arc, which they built off the back, is it flows like snowdrift. So it almost like looks like this large like snow sculpture that's attached to the back of the building. Sorry, Michael Maltzan, the designer of it, he really wanted to incorporate and pay homage to the Arctic landscape. So when you walk in the galleries themselves, they, the walls all flow like you would see like a snowdrift would flow in the wind. And now they have all these expansive galleries where they can finally showcase all these beautiful Inuit works from tapestries to paintings to lots of new multimedia art. And uh, one of the showpieces, which you can see for free when you walk in the Kalmyark door, is this giant visible see-through vault. It's three stories tall. And if you look down into it, you can actually see below into the basement of the art gallery. So they're always 
putting new sculptures from all over all over the Arctic. It represents, I think, nearly every single Inuit community. And this counts like Canada, Greenland, Alaska, northern Russia, northern Finland, like from all over the Arctic in there. And they've got these uh, real cool touchscreen panels so you can highlight the works and see them in closer detail and stuff. And the way they've built the vault it too curves and in and out like a snowdrift. So you can actually like get your face like in between two pieces of glass almost to like really immerse, like it's a really immersive visual experience seeing these things. Oh, wow. I love all that. That's amazing. Uh, especially when I'm traveling with my kids, being able to, to show them museums because, you know, I mean, they're, they're young. They, they're not that thrilled with museums sometimes, you know, but when they have those interactive exhibits like that, that's really cool. Uh, another interactive exhibit that I saw that seemed really interesting was at the zoo where I guess like I always grew up loving polar bears and I guess there's a part in the zoo there where the polar bears can actually swim above you. It's yeah, it's incredible. So it's called the journey to Churchill. Uh, again, this was a newer thing that they just built. Uh, I guess it'd be at least five years old now. The sea ice passage in journey to Churchill is a great way to see the polar bears. So they generally have, there's about seven polar bears there right now. And they have this huge enclosure for the journey to Churchill where you see the bears wandering around and they've uh they've created a very arctic like uh, like actually very churchill like landscape so there's still grass and large boulders and what have you but the bears polar bears love to swim so one spot you'll always generally always see them in is they've built this tunnel underneath uh this huge water feature that they have and you'll see bears jumping in literally right over top of your head so you can think of it like an aquarium where you're watching like you know fish and sea rays and what have you above you but instead it's polar bears and the tunnel goes all the way around so if you go to like our instagram or you you know type in anything uh, for winnipeg for instagram you'll see it because it's just it's such a show-stopping feature and like i brought travel writers there before who had never seen polar bears i remember when the exhibit first opened i was with a writer she was from the netherlands she had tears in her eyes immediately she's like i've never seen something so beautiful because like to watch like a giant several thousand pound bear swimming around you and to see their agility and being so close like when you touch the glass like their their paw prints can you know literally be touching at the same time wow. or you see their their big bellies moving and stuff and sometimes they put fish in there and they put all this uh, sensory stuff so they'll be playing with like barrels and like a lot of times they'll be like eating lettuce apparently polar bears love to eat lettuce too but it's just <laughs> such a cool thing to see like a polar bear just like literally swimming right over top of your head Oh, I, I got to book a flight. I got to come check that out. That's, it's that sounds amazing. amazing. Yeah. Another really cool experience that I saw with, with animals is at Fort White Alive. I guess like in the migration season, there's all the, the ducks and the geese. Yeah. So right now, if you're to go, so it's uh, late October, the geese, so they'll be heading down from like a lot of geese will head way up north to the Arctic and all in the surrounding areas have their goslings or what have you. And they've been growing all summer. And so now they're training their young, you know, their goslings to be able to make the big flight south. Uh, and same thing with uh, various other kinds of waterfowl. So during the day, they'll be out there feeding on the farmer's fields that have recently been tilled or what have you. And then now at nighttime and whatever it is at sunset, they will fly all in to Fort White Alive. And they will land all on the water, all kind of like within this 15-minute window right during magic hour. So as the sun's setting in the background, you can see tens of thousands of geese and ducks 
all landing at the same time. They're honking in the air. So like it's a whole symphony of sound. It's quite incredible. <laughs> and then when they land on the water, you hear the little splashes. Uh, and to celebrate this, Fort White Alive also does uh, seasonal tasting menus. So they, they run two. They'll run like an autumn seasonal tasting menu. So you can be eating a three-course dinner while watching all of this happen. And it's just such a cool spectacle. And people like get up in between the courses to take more photos. You'll end up with hundreds of photos on your camera because you're just like, okay, no, no, shoot this one, shoot this sure, one. Sure, sure. That sounds incredible. Yeah, and it, it's just such a cool area. Now, one of the things that uh, I saw, you know, obviously there's so many fun things to do within Winnipeg that sometimes, you know, you're traveling on a budget and everything like that. There's actually a, a Winnipeg attractions pass where I guess probably for like one price, you get admission or discounts to a lot of the attractions and, and restaurants throughout the city, right? Yeah, we help make that one. So you can do five attractions and you essentially you'll save about 30% off. So it's a great way to see if you do, you can do a one day and a three day pass. So the three day pass is a great way to like just leisurely be able to see five of our top attractions uh, doing so. So on top of the other ones that I just talked about, Manitoba Museum is part of it as well. They have a really incredible collection there that spans uh, like modern history of the area all the way to the Cretaceous period. Some really world-class fossils there, uh, like everything from pliosaurs. This whole area was under an inland seaway uh, near the end of the dinosaur period. So they have great fossils showcasing all that. And they also have all these dioramas that uh, your children will absolutely love. As soon as you walk in, there's a huge Métis bison hunt one where they would herd the bison essentially to get them to kind of fall off a cliff face. Um, and that's how you do the hunting. So you can see like the bison actually like running towards you. My three-year-old did get a little uh, scared. I must say the first time he saw it, he thought they were coming towards him. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a really great facility. And they also have a planetarium and everything. Also part of that pass is the Royal Aviation Museum of Western Canada. They rebuilt that building two years ago too. It has some real incredible artifacts you can climb on and board several of the planes. They showcase a lot of float planes. And there's lots of planes hanging from the, the top of the building. And it's just like one giant airplane hangar, essentially. And it's really cool for both aviation buffs and uh, just for unique tourism experience. Like there's, there's a couple... Uh, artifacts that uh, truly never took off. There's, you know, experimental aircraft. You're just thinking, who would ever get on that thing? And thankfully, no one probably did. Like a little helicopter that's essentially like someone just sitting in a chair with the propeller, maybe like four inches <laughs> over your head. There's the Avro car, which was like a prototype kind of spaceship of sorts that also never took off that they have on display. Everyone thinks it's a spaceship. It's really cool. So yeah, that, that's part of the uh, pass as well. That is really cool. Well, we're almost out of time, but I, I know with your background and all the food and, and you're currently writing a lot of articles about the food in Winnipeg, I don't want to miss out talking about that. So if we can do like a couple, little rapid fire as far as some, some really cool recommendations for, for good eats in Winnipeg. Certainly. Brunch, I always tell people you have to go to Clementine perhaps even twice. It, uh, it is a ins brunch institution here, a Mediterranean-style menu influence, but they kind of cover everything. It just the flavor of all the dishes there is truly incredible. Like they think of everything from texture, acidity, like just everything is so well balanced there. I always send people there first. You have to do the cauliflower. There's a fried cauliflower salad that will just blow your mind. It's a vegan dish. It's just like one of the most incredible things. They always have really good fried chicken toast, great waffles. My kids love the waffles there. 
the Turkish eggs is one of the most popular dishes. That place is always busy. Also downtown, I really love modern electric lunch for brunch. Juneberry is also a great brunch spot. South Pamina, I'm a big, uh, I love dim sum as far as brunch goes. Uh, there's a whole stretch of places on South Pamina leading towards the University of Manitoba and the stadium down there. A couple off the top of my head would be like North Garden, uh, Sun Fortune's great. For lunch, the Forks Market that I was mentioning was uh, really great uh, for before a game. Hargrave Street Market is our newer food market. Uh, it too has a number of food kiosks. Craft cocktails, wood fire oven pizza, huge patio in the summer at uh, Gusto North, one of their Italian restaurants. That one's great. For nighttime, anything I could recommend would be uh, really fan of our small plate scene here. Uh, Scott Bagshaw is a chef here. He's got a number of wine bars, which are really quite amazing. Pacero is Italian one. Uh, Enoteca is his more kind of French leaning, but still Italian leaning one. Deer and Almond, uh, one of my favorite restaurants here. Their chef had actually just won the uh, Gold Medal Plates Canadian Culinary Championship Winnipeg edition that I was just finishing judging uh, last week. That restaurant's amazing. You can do tasting menus in the restaurant and you can order a la carte at the bar. Super eclectic menu. Its chef and co-founder Mandel Hitzer also runs Raw Almond, it's called, with an architect named Joe Kalturnik. And they actually stage a fine dining restaurant on the frozen ice at the Forks every winter from January to February. Tickets are available for that in December. So they invite chefs from all over North America and highlight a lot of local chefs. And you do tasting menus literally right on the ice. You can wear your skates during dinner. My wife and I skated down the river to it uh, this past year, continued to wear our skates throughout dinner service and skated home. Fabulous experience. What a cool experience. Yeah. Uh, and we, we've got everything covered. If you go to pegcitygrub.com, we have great Japanese restaurants. I always like to give a shout out to Ujiro. We have so many really great indigenous restaurants too. I forgot to mention uh, one of the main things that people were raving about Kamiork is how indigenous led the whole enterprise was from the curatorial team. And now like here in Winnipeg, we have a lot of young indigenous chefs that have recently opened up their own restaurants. One great one is called Manumin, which is in the Wyndham Garden Airport Inn. So it's an airport close to the hotel. Uh, so Manumin means wild rice in Ojibwe. Um, their chef, Jennifer Ballantyne, was just competing as well in the kitchen party gold medal plates thing that I'd just been running. She's a Cree chef. So they have great, uh, you can find everything from like pickerel cheeks on that menu, lots of bannock. Same thing with our original indigenous restaurant here, Feast. That owner, uh, Chef Krista, she was actually part of my judging team for this panel. So she does like bannock tacos, all sorts of bison on there. Really worth checking out. She's such an integral community member in the West End. She's always, you know, helping feed the needy, doing lots of charitable work. And uh, it's, it's a great introduction to Indigenous cuisine if you've never had it. Those spots, definitely check out. And Manitoba, too, big Eastern European influence here. So if you want stuff like pierogies, cabbage rolls, you'll find that everywhere. We have some great little diners, particularly throughout like the North End. Yeah, and our, our food scene is great in the sense that, you know, you get their small, small plate wine bars that you'll see everywhere else. But as well, like so many like classic, quirky, little uniquely Winnipeg spots that you can't miss. That sounds amazing. So many good choices. And obviously you are the right person to share everything. Uh, one that you didn't mention that seems really interesting is where would we go if we wanted like a, a sweet treat? If we want some ice cream or 
like local candy or something like that? Where would we go for that? Okay. So the locals, well, I'll tell you bridge drive-in. So BDI, it's called. It's a little shack. They make their own ice cream that's connected right on the Assiniboine River to a little bridge. So that's like a classic like date night spot. People get their ice cream, walk across the bridge. Canada's best ice cream was awarded to Chaban Ice Cream just two years ago. They have a great story. He's Lebanese. He was a cheesemaker. His wife is Syrian. The community helped move his wife and her family from Syria here to get away from the conflict. She's in charge of all the taste and flavor profiles, and he makes the ice cream. Joseph is his name. And being a cheese scientist who's like a dairy scientist, his ice cream is truly unique. It has this flavor and texture. It has lots of Middle Eastern flavors. The base often will have a cheese base to it, which gives it like this whole creaminess that you're not used to, but it's just uh, the word, I guess, very luscious. And the one that he won best ice cream for, the Salty Carl, is a salted caramel flavor. Uh, and it's unbelievably good. It's like close your eyes good. You know, you try it, you just let it melt on your tongue, and it's just the salt crystals hit you, just the flavor of the, you know, the caramel and just the, how creamy the ice cream is. You really can't miss Chaban ice cream. Oh man, that sounds delicious. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I got to be careful. Otherwise I'm going to talk to you like all day about all these amazing foods and everything. But now it's time for the final countdown. If somebody only had time for one meal in Winnipeg, where should they go and what should they eat? Ooh, I would have to ask the person what they're looking for first. Because right now I feel like Deer and Almond is a really great snapshot of like kind of quirky Winnipeg food that's, you know, refined and brought to like what could be a Michelin star quality if, you know, the Michelin guide ever came here. So that one is always high on my list. I just feel like in Mandel, like the amount of culinary work he's done doing raw almond, bringing in chefs from all over North America to discover Winnipeg's dining scene here too. I feel like, uh, I feel like that's the spot I would just like to highlight. Absolutely. Uh, what would you order when you go there? Or is it kind of like a rotating menu? Yeah, it's a rotating menu. So uh, they generally switch it four times a year right now. So the co-owner, Chris Kyrus, who just won this culinary competition here, he's got this dish on that the one that won this culinary competition so it's like a pork terrine, uh, but instead of it being wrapped in like a phyllo or some kind of pastry and baked, it was actually wrapped in cabbage to play, pay homage to like his grandma's like halachis, her cabbage rolls. So it's like, it's like the ultimate Ukrainian kind of like comfort food, but like dialed up to like fine dining. So there's like a tomato jus reduction uh, that accompanies it. There's a celeric puree, pickled vegetables on top of it, including pickled chanterelle mushrooms. And it's just the, it's just a knockout of a dish. It's just like the Eastern European Manitoba influence on a plate all right there for you. Absolutely fabulous. And they also have another dish right now, instead of doing a nigiri with like a raw, you know, raw fish, they're doing it with smoked gold eye. And it's just a real cool, you know, a Manitoban take on like what a nigiri sushi could be. Yeah. Everything there, like just the flavors are just very turned up. Like it's just really well balanced and really f explosive flavors. That's a, I'm almost afraid to go there to eat because I'm not going to be able to go back to like normal food after, after eating everything the way you, you, know, you, try you described it. Over, you try not to overhype it too, right? But it's just, yeah, it's just a really nice experience. For sure. Well, like you said, like with living there for, for many years and then also with your career, you know, going to all these activities and all these restaurants, I'm sure you've had some really amazing experiences. What's one of the most memorable stories of being in, in Winnipeg? 
I think for me, one of the first years when we moved, just getting back, I hadn't skated forever. So we had bought skates and skating down the river again. And just the amount of people, like it, it just showcases what an international city Winnipeg is. Like uh, more than a hundred languages are spoken here. And if you're out on the ice in the winter, you'll meet people who have just moved to Winnipeg or recently moved. You'll hear all these different languages being spoken. You'll see people learning to skate and you'll see people who are like very advanced skaters going up and just like, it's just such a great community feel. And like, you just see the joy on everybody's face it's one of those things. And if you're into dogs, my God, it is like the best dog viewing you're going to see. Cause you see sled dogs, <laughs> right? People on kick sleds and just these, you know, all these dogs in the ridiculous sweaters beside their owners, it's going up and down. And it was like, for me, when we first moved back, uh, or I, I hadn't really actually like lived here. It was just like, wow, this place really loves winter. And everyone who comes here just like gets into it too. You know what I mean? They don't, like Festival had this great slogan a couple of years, don't hibernate, celebrate. And I think that's like really what winter is all about in Winnipeg. And for me, that was one of the coolest things. That, and I always have to give a shout out to the Royal Winnipeg Ballet. I'm a bit of a dance fan. My wife's a huge dance fan. We have season tickets. I love going to their, going to see the ballet and our live theater scene here too. Royal Manitoba Theater Center. We have season tickets to that too, like, for any kind of performances. If you're, if you're a theater buff or a dance buff, there's always something on, particularly from fall in through spring. That sounds awesome. Well, speaking of good times and happy memories, uh, where's the happiest happy hour in Winnipeg? Ooh, tough one. We have a lot of great cocktail bars. The Forks is really fun to just kind of see that four o'clock after work crowd, just to see how fast the market fills up. Right by our office, I really like Amsterdam Tea Room. The owner is actually Scottish, um, but he moved here from a while ago. And uh, you ask him why he moved. He just fell in love with Winnipeg. He loves the whole vibe of the exchange district, which has a real European feel to it. And his specialty is they make cocktails uh, using tea as a base. And he clearly knows his tea, Mr. Mark Turner here. Yeah, it's just very unique cocktails uh, with a tea base that you would just kind of never think about. Absolutely delicious. And anywhere in the summer, Corden Avenue is where all of our patios are, although there's patios to be found throughout the city. But one spot on Corden, the Roost, it's on the second floor. So it's perched up there on the second floor. Really cool patio. Uh, Elsa Taylor is one of the co-owners and the main bartenders there. And she just makes fabulous drinks. She handwrites all the menus. It's absolutely adorable place. Very whimsical. For the cocktails, the Roost is marvelous, marvelous. That sounds amazing. Now, one of the things I always do whenever I travel is check out the local pizza. What's the best place for pepperoni pizza in Winnipeg? Oh, man. Yeah, I, I, I swear if I answer this question, we're going to get emails. Because uh, <laughs> So to, to set the tone, Winnipeg is absolutely surrounded by farmland. And we grow a ton of wheat in the surrounding area and lots of heritage wheats now. So you see lots of red fife, spelt and stuff. I do have to tip my hat to the red amber common inside the forks. It's a gas oven fired pizza. The pizzas come out in about 30 seconds. That chewy crust they have, though, it's the perfectly crisp on the outside, chewy in the middle. Pepe, the famous Italian pizza chef, actually came and helped demonstration when they were first opening it. The owner, uh, or one of the co-owners, Stefan Zinn, his family owns a large farm. So they actually make the pepperoni for them using Brickshire pork that's grown on the farm. 
Uh, they also own wiener peg. So they make the wieners for that. So it's like heritage breed pork that is actually used to create the charcuterie. Yeah. And it's just, there's something about sitting on that bar, especially with the busy forks market. Uh, I'd also like to give a shout out to Vera. They're great. There's tons of like great local chains here. But yeah, for me, if you're going to choose one pizza, I got to say red amber common. Fantastic. Well, I mean, I, I'm not going to, you know, upset anybody. I'll go and try multiple pizzas when I come visit. So that, I'm totally fine with that. So we'll, we'll do that for sure. Now, if somebody's coming to, to Winnipeg, what's one of your best travel tips uh, for when they visit? Uh, yeah, just know before you go, like for sure, as I've seen in that summertime window, summertime's always perfect. There's tons of stuff to do. December, you don't get the full winter advantage uh, in the sense that the skating trail on the river won't be open yet. But mind you, we get tons of visitation in December because a lot of people in the surrounding rural areas all come to do the shopping. Absolutely fantastic shopping in the Exchange District and in Cordon. If you're coming in the summer, I think a great way to see the city is to rent a bicycle. Be Together Bikes, they have novelty bikes at the Forks. So you can rent tandem bikes, like large bikes that will literally fit a whole family. I think they have ones that fit up to six to eight people. And to get down on the trails and just bike around and just take in the city slowly. And the same thing with take a river trail, uh, take a, a boat cruise with Splash Dash in the summer. Because just to be able to see the, the city from the water is such a great way. And uh, just walk around, enjoy our architecture, particularly in the Exchange District. It's always a stand-in for Hollywood films when they're covering New York or Chicago. Um, there's all these turn-of-the-20th-century uh, buildings, so, like, beautiful architecture covering, like, the 1880s through the 1920s. They're called terracotta skyscrapers. And it's just a really cool way to go around and city. And like for me, when I'm a tourist in a different city, I always like to go walk around and uh, when if I'm going out for dinner, eat at the bar, right? Talk to the bartender. They always know and they always have great tips. So it's something I always like to do. Well, Mike, I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing all these amazing tips for Winnipeg. I can't wait to come up there and, and visit, especially uh, hanging out with my, uh, my polar bear friends. Can you tell the audience a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Yeah, for sure. So uh, Mike Green, I am the creative content manager of Tourism Winnipeg. So I write uh, all of our main websites. I write a lot of the content on tourismwinnipeg.com pegcitygrub.com, which is our culinary website, and onlyinthepeg.com, which is our arts uh, website. Sometimes we highlight sports stuff on there. Uh, I was originally a journalist by trade. I've been in Winnipeg for 10 years now. My wife is originally from Winnipeg, and that was always an ongoing joke. I never said I would live in Winnipeg, and uh, here I am working for tourism Winnipeg, <laughs> of all things. My, my father-in-law, who is a huge Huge Winnipeg ambassador always gets a kick out of that, that we uh, live here now. But uh, yeah, I absolutely love it. we got a three-year-old and a six-year-old. They love it. We raise our family here. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a real, I don't want to say hidden gem because, you know, people do know about Winnipeg from our legendary cold winters and what have you. But uh, it's a really quirky city and there's lots of cool stuff going on and it's only getting better. That's fantastic. Well, if somebody has questions about the city or any of the, the attractions or restaurants we've talked about, what's the best way to reach you on social media? Yeah, for sure. So uh, tourismwinnipeg.com, we actually have even a chat bot that comes up there that a real person answers. So if you even have any touristy questions, someone will get a hold of you, uh, usually same day. Uh, you can follow us on tourismwpg on Instagram, Peg City Grub official on Instagram. You can even, if you're looking for a lot of food-related stuff, you can reach out to me personally at mike at tourismwinnipeg.com. 
I do a lot of food stuff. Uh, I was actually on this Canadian show called MasterChef Canada years ago. So uh, I have a lot of people emailing me at all times for all things food related. And I have no problem answering those things because uh, I want your Winnipeg experience to be very tasty. Absolutely. Well, well, Mike, I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing all these amazing tips. And uh, we look forward to seeing you when we travel there. Thank you, Lee. Thanks for having me so much. What an interesting conversation with Mike. I can't wait to take my family to the Journey to Churchill exhibit to see the polar bear swimming up close. You can find all the links we talked about today and our one-page guide to Mike's tips at wetravelthere.com forward slash Winnipeg. We want to say thank you to Bluffworks for being an affiliate partner in today's episode. Bluffworks offers many styles to fit your needs, so that way you can stay wrinkle-free while traveling. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash Bluffworks and use the promo code LEAD to save 10% off your order. Join us next time as we head to Queenstown, New Zealand to speak with my good friends Lyle and Leanne McCabe of BeachTravelWine.com. In this episode, we talk about seeing the wildlife at Kiwi Park, enjoying thrilling adventure sports on Lake Wakatipu, and seeing the waterfalls at Milford Sound. We hope you join us when we travel there. I love hearing your feedback about the show. Send me a tweet at WeTravelThere or email me at WeTravelThere.com forward slash contact to share your thoughts. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share with your friends and tell me what you like most. Make sure you follow us on your favorite podcast app. That way you won't miss any of our upcoming destinations. Mm-hmm.